And this means these conversations are about so much more than money. They're about facing mortality as much as anything else. And that is very awkward and very difficult. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Today, I am with Rabbi Jeffrey Wildstein. He has spent his professional life assisting all kinds of people in a wide variety of situations. He served as a congregational rabbi for 14 years, where he was intensely involved with financial aspects of the program management. Jeffrey has counseled hundreds of people with care, compassion, and respect. He's practiced law, served as a college administrator, worked as a field organizer for a political campaign, and authored one book on Judaism, and co-authored another on Connecticut tort law. Wow. Jeffrey is a very accomplished person. He has his own business now called Kavod Daily Money Management, and he's here on the podcast today to talk about what that is and how, if you are the daughter or son of an elderly parent, how this might be helpful for you. So welcome, Jeffrey, to the call. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You have such an interesting background. So before we get into the topic at hand, tell me a little bit more about you know, daily money management and how you got involved in this profession? Well, I got involved with it when my father passed away. And my mother was in her upper 70s and had never done her own bills. And she was very worried and very apprehensive about doing them. So she came to me and said, Jeff, could you please handle them for me? I just can't do it. And of course, I said, sure. Little did I know that it involved an awful lot of time and it involved a lot of organizational skills, keeping track of very particular items that were in her financial portfolio and her financial life. And it required a certain amount of skill in being able to understand processes and being able to work with the people on the phone and tracking things and dealing with insurance companies and all different kinds of situations and banks. And I realized that number one, I was good at it. And number two, I liked it. And number three, that there were a lot of people who needed this kind of help. And so I decided to become a daily money manager in the next step of my 
as I've said, very diverse and, and very faceted to real. Well, what I, what I love about that is, first of all, you found a purpose through helping your mom, which is really cool. Also, I often have people on the podcast that don't have linear career paths because I started off as a FDIC bank examiner, became a therapist, and now have been running my own business for a long time. So I think sometimes when it's a crooked line, you actually find something that you're really passionate about and is really interesting. So uh, thank you for sharing that with me. Now, you know, one of the things that we're talking about today is awkward conversations. And certainly the conversation between an adult child and an aging parent, when it comes to things like, you know what, I'm worried about how you're able to manage your financial life, if you're able to manage your financial life, and if someone knows about a daily money manager, which they do now, if they're listening to this podcast, how that person might be helpful. And so why do you think it's so uncomfortable for many of us to have this type of conversation with our aging parents? Well, first of all, if people are listening to this and they do find these conversations uncomfortable and awkward and difficult, don't be concerned about that because you are not alone. These are very difficult conversations to have. And there are two main reasons for that, I believe. The first is it's reversal of the relationship. The child is now the caregiver and the parent is now the care receiver. And this is a new aspect of the relationship that is very different than the one that you had before, but you're still bringing over things from the relationship before where the roles were as you usually think of parent and child. So the child may feel uncertain in the new role or carry remembrances and feelings that make taking the new role difficult. And the parent may be proud or not want to be a burden and therefore it's difficult for everybody as they're trying to find their place. The second reason is something that is spiritual and from the rabbinic side of me is something that I find in a number of different places, but particularly here. The conversation brings to the open a parent's loss of abilities and the need to adapt. And often this loss of abilities is permanent. And this means these conversations are about so much more than money. They're about facing mortality as much as anything else. And that is very awkward and very difficult. Those are two such great points. I mean, I think it is. I've been in the situation where we've been talking to uh, one of my parents or my in-laws about money. And it, it, it is a weird dynamic. It's like it, we don't see a lot of role models for it. And certainly, um, because I think in our society, money conversations are complicated as it is. Uh, because of the taboo about talking about money, it's even, I wouldn't say more taboo, but that, that discomfort or just not having a role model or having a roadmap for how to do it. And yes, you know, it's also realizing my parents getting older, they're going to die and the parent going through that same process. So I think you really highlight two very challenging things. But with that said, I think it's so important to have these conversations. So Tell us a little bit in your, you know, in your opinion or through a story, why you think it's important for adult children to have these conversations with their parents based on the work that you've done 
um, as a daily money manager? It's so important to have these conversations because first of all, there's a basic making sure that your parent is safe. You want to make sure that your parent is safe. And really, even though a parent might say, oh, don't worry about me, I'll be fine. Really, they want to make sure that they're safe too. And without having that financial wherewithal, without making sure that that things are, are taken care of and making sure that there is a plan for when they get older and to make sure that the bills can get paid and that they can receive the care that they need, they're not safe. So having this, this conversation and these conversations is extremely important in that sense. The other reason why it's very important to have this conversation is preserving the relationship. If you want to just leave everything until there's a crisis, you can do that. But it might end up that there are certain feelings that arise, there are difficulties that you encounter, there's resentments, and having these conversations at a time when people aren't stressed, when it's not a crisis situation, when you can be mindful and planful and hopefully work it out. It just leads to better relationships between, between parents and children and also between different siblings. That's another aspect of this. There might be one sibling who wants one thing, one sibling wants another. By trying to work it out beforehand, you could avoid a lot of trouble down the road that could severely affect relationships. And I guess the other thing I want to add to that is also if you are someone who is listening in that has kids, I think there's also a way in which parents can be proactive in talking about many uh, with their adult children and actually setting the stage for it's okay if we have these conversations, even if it's well before the time where you might need someone like you, Jeffrey, to come in and, and help out. Um, so if I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking about either you know, myself as a, as somebody who is aging, or maybe I'm thinking about my parent who is aging. What are some of the signs that we should be paying attention to that might indicate we need to start to have these conversations or think about setting something up, like getting help around these, these tasks? Certainly there are some things that are perhaps the most obvious or the most upfront and you see played out in your average TV show just about every day. If a child is seeing memory loss or the parent seems confused, it may be time to have the conversation. You may also notice observations around the elder's home. There might be a general untidiness where there wasn't before or stacks of unopened and disorganized mail. Often a spouse or a partner or even a housekeeper or someone who comes to the house, a friend, will see it first. We'll see that the older person is having trouble keeping up with things and they might bring the issue to the child. Also, if you hear from the, from the elder, if you're hearing constant complaints or or concerns or, or, or 
situations where this person wasn't doing any the right thing and that person wasn't doing the right thing and you know the electric company the bank the this the that it may be that it's not all these other people that have gotten themselves in trouble or done something wrong to the elder it may be that the elder is just having difficulty keeping up with everything and keeping track and that's when they need help yeah, that last one is certainly a sign that sometimes we don't pick up on, especially if we're kids, we're kind of just annoyed that our parents are crabby, uh, as opposed to looking at kind of what the deeper meaning might be. I know with my mother who had Alzheimer's and eventually you know, died in 2011, I believe, the first sign I saw that she was going to need some help financially was I was at, uh, it was my book party. And she was going to write out a check and she had a lot of trouble remembering how to write a check. And this was a woman who paid bills her whole life, really was the matter of the family budget. And so it was a moment where I let her save face because I think she was embarrassed. But it also was a moment where I started talking to my husband about the fact I think something's going on with mom. So uh, certainly looking for those signs. So if we see the signs and we bring up the conversation, what are some of the common like roadblocks you see that seniors or parents put up when their child is trying to help? Because we do know it can be bumpy. It can also go smoothly, I just want to say. But oh, are, yeah, absolutely. It could go smoothly. We shouldn't anticipate or expect that things are going to go badly. I know with a lot of people, they are, are ready, willing and able to accept the help even for people who I've had uh, children of adult of older parents who have said, you know, I didn't expect that they'd need the help or that they'd accept that they, that they want the help. And they were so gratified. I mean, the elder parent to have that help. And it's like a, a weight lifting off their shoulders. So we shouldn't expect that it's going to be a problem, but many situations where the senior does put up a roadblock and there are difficulties that need to be overcome. For example, there might be an attempt to hide issues and not mention that they're in trouble until they are really, really deep in trouble. They might actually hide or destroy paperwork. I've seen that happen. Hmm. They might sign agreements or make changes without telling the child or the partner or anyone else that are discovered later that were to their advantage or might even be situations where there's fraud. And I think the hardest obstacle is when the parent reacts with anger or yells or just slams the door, either literally or figuratively on the child who wants to help. I might also mention that there are times when there are barriers that are put up by the child as well. And of course, we're talking about the adult child, not having the time, not having the patience, not being willing to help and recognize that the parent is getting older. It's saying something to the child as the child's realizing that that he, she, they is now in the position that they never 
realistically thought about being in. Yeah, it is interesting. There's a level of denial that I've seen, you know, with clients in my own family when we've dealt with this on all sides, actually, in a variety of different ways. And, you know, part of that is just it takes a while to realize that somebody is ill if it's not a medical illness or they are starting to fail. And so it's important, I think, that you bring up that it can be resistance on on either side. So I want to get into how you actually help the clients that do work with you and the families that do work with you. But first, I'm going to take a quick break. We are with Rabbi Jeffrey Wildstein. He is the founder of Kavod Daily Money Management. And we are talking about the sometimes awkward conversation of talking to your aging parents about uh, getting them some help uh, to pay their bills and handle their financial matters. We'll be back in one minute. Hi, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about a new exciting program. It's for business owners. Because many business owners, we spend so much time delivering our products and services, but we fail to set up a system to actually make sure we get paid every month. You deserve to get paid every month. If you broke money silence and you ask for your fee, then it's time to figure out how to put financial policies and procedures in place in your business so you can continue to earn what you are worth. So I have developed a course called It's Time to Get Paid. It takes you through how to contract, how to set up a payment policy, and ultimately how to collect accounts that are past due. So. I think you should check it out. It's only $27. It's a great investment for your firm. And if you are new to business or struggling in getting paid what you are worth, then it is time to check out. It's time to get paid. Go to courses.breakingmoneysilence.com and check out the details. I am here with Rabbi Jeffrey Wildstein. We are having a conversation about sometimes that awkward dialogue you have with your parents around helping them with their finances. And he is a daily money manager. And so we just, before the break, talked a lot about, you know, what are some of the signs and symptoms with your parents that you might notice? What are some of the roadblocks that they might put up? And even more importantly, what are some of the roadblocks adult children might face when it comes to really realizing that we need some help in helping mom, dad, whoever is our, you know, our uncle uh, manage their finances. So Jeffrey, tell me, what are the tasks that you usually do for your clients? Like, how do you work with them? How do you kind of engage them? And then next, we'll look at how somebody might go about hiring you. So a daily money manager is like having your own personal financial secretary. I say that all the time because it's how I like to to view the role. So we're professionals who assist clients with some of the basic financial needs that they have, paying their bills, tracking insurance claims, watching income and expenses according to budgets, reconciling accounts, communicating with creditors, just about anything that a person needs on their daily financial matters, daily financial life. So for example, I had an older client who had an annuity that had expired and she really needed the money and needed it quickly. 
but had absolutely no idea how she could get the money out of the annuity and into her own personal bank account. It was just a short time for me to get on the phone, contact somebody, figure out what the, the forms were, get them done, get them in the mail, get them to the right place, and so that she could have the money so that she could pay her bills. Can I jump in with a quick question? When Absolutely. you when you do something like that, do you have to get the power of attorney or how do you how, how are you able to get that information on behalf of somebody else? You don't need a power of attorney if you are with the client. So often I'll get on the, the phone if I need to call someone, a, a financial institution or, or whatever, and say, I'm Jeffrey Wildstein. I'm with Cavo Daily Money Management. I'm here with my client and your insured or your client, Jane Doe. And we need to work something out. And they'll put Jane Doe on the phone and she'll say, yes, you have my permission to speak to my daily money manager. And then I'm able to do the business that's needed. Okay, that makes sense. So that's great. So so someone could do this piecemeal by piecemeal with you or in a particular situation. And it sounds like you work with people in person. Do you also work with people remotely? Yes. And it very much depends on the person. I have some people who totally work with me 100% remotely, and we're doing everything over the phone. And if I need to do something like I mentioned before, do a conference call, and that works. And it's all via Zoom, via computers, via email. But there are other people who feel more comfortable if everything is done in person and want to be there and looking and seeing the papers and seeing everything being done. And, and this also gives the client a feeling of empowerment, that they are still actively involved, actively watching, and making sure that things are done in a proper way, even if I'm the one really steering the ship. And well, then there's everything in between. There are different ways of doing the sort of things that need, and I like to make it personal to the, to the clients. It depends on what they need. It's not about my system. It's about what they need to feel comfortable and safe. Well, you told a story before we started recording the podcast that I thought was really uh, an interesting way of having um, an older person be involved, but at the same time, having the support that you provide. And it was about a gentleman you were at his house and you would go monthly and write out the checks, but he then he would sign them. And I thought, well, that's a cool way of doing it where someone gets to feel in control, someone gets to feel, and they are in fact, kind of reviewing your work, so to speak in quotes, and then you're having them sign off. It, it really is kind of a nice blend between taking it completely away or leaving somebody up to their own devices if they're in a situation where that's not gonna make sense. Yeah, it really does depend on the individual. And there are some people who, who want that, who want to see everything done in paper. There are other people where I might go to their house and take out the computer and we do everything via bill pay. There are other people who I never see. I talk to them over Zoom. I talk to them on the phone. And this is the way that they want to do it. As a matter of fact, I have some clients who say, you know what, just give me a report at the end of the month. I don't want to see everything. I trust you. 
my whole purpose in doing this with, with you is to make sure that I don't have to worry about it and think about it on a day-to-day -day basis. That's particularly a lot for, of uh, the situation for the busy professionals that I work with who also are the clients, a, a category of clients that I work with. Actually, I was just thinking, I go, wait a second, I think I'm my husband's daily money manager. <laughs> Often it is one spouse. And you know what? <laughs> that is particularly concerning as people get older, when you have the spouse who was the, the bill payer and handled all the finances, and you have the other spouse who wasn't, and something happens with the first spouse or they start to fail or they start to, to have more cognitive difficulties. That's often a situation. Divorce, yeah. that also happens as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there, there's so many instances, I think, where your services can come into play. Just to get back quickly to the conversation with an elderly parent, uh, as an adult child, people listening out there that are concerned, what tips do you have on how to approach this conversation about hiring a daily money manager? Well, the first tip that I would have is to always be that calm, non-anxious presence and to be respectful. Don't raise your voice, watch your tone, watch your body language. Don't be accusatory. Show that you care and show that you love them. The name of my company is Kavod Daily Money Management. Kavod is a form of the Hebrew word for honor. And the commandment to honor your father and money, mother is kavod avaim. It's the same root, kavod kavod. So show your parent honor. And that will help with the conversation. Uh, remember that the elder might be facing is her their own issues of mortality and the loss of abilities that may never return. And if you keep those things in mind and try to maintain a calm conversation, you're much more likely to lead to the outcome that you would want. Those are great tips. You know, one of the things I mentioned in my book, Breaking Money Silence, when it comes to talking to elderly parents is to lead with loving intention. And I think that's what you're talking about is to really try to work through some of your feelings that you may be having about this up front alone or with support. But then by the time you approach your parent to be in that calm place and, and honoring them, I really, I really like that framework and didn't know that that's what your name of your company stood for. So that's really, I think, a nice piece. Now, when somebody wants to go ahead and hire you, what are the steps they need to take to go and do that, Jeffrey? Well, it's very simple. First of all, if they want to learn more about my practice, they could go to kavoddmm.com. That's two Ds and two Ms, as in Mary, at the end. And they can find out about me um, and they can read a little bit more about what I do. And then they could give me a call or fill out the form that's on my website to make an appointment. And we have a, I have a, a complimentary initial meeting with people to figure out exactly what they need and to make some suggestions about how I can help them. Excellent. So as we're winding down this conversation, 
What is one piece of advice you'd like to leave the listeners with today? When you are working with your parents on these issues and you're having these difficult conversations and you're finding yourselves in awkward situations, it's very important to remember that you are running a marathon and not a sprint. Everything usually does not or cannot be solved in one meeting or two or likely more. And there's often going to be speed bumps along the way. The most important thing is to look to continue to make progress and be patient. And as you continue to make progress, things will get better. Great advice. You know, it's been wonderful, uh, Jeffrey, to break money silence with you and to talk a little bit about some of the work that you do with seniors. So thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you again for having me. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.